What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Come. Walk down the winding path. Don't mind the spooks and monsters. They stay hidden within the trees. There are mysteries in this world that you need to know, and paranormal truths that need to be told. Come, step up into the caravan while we share tales of old, as well as new accounts about things you thought only existed in your nightmares. Hello, and welcome back inside the caravan library of lore. I'm your host, Vance Nesbitt. Jennifer Ann is off tonight. She's actually on a black ops mission, top secret, but I might divulge a little bit as to what it is that she's up to later on in the show. Like I said, it's Tuesday, and tonight we are being joined by a show friend, once again, Lon Strickler, over at Phantoms and Monsters. Lon Strickler is an accomplished author, and we're going to talk about his latest book that's coming out called The Mothman Dynasty. Um, you can also find Lon as a co-host over at Arcane Radio with Sean Forker and Butch Wotowski. Each one of these uh, individuals brings their own personal experience and expertise to the Arcane Radio show, which you can find their show over at Arcane Radio. Dot com. Uh, there's been a few things that Lon has put together called uh, the Task Force, the Phantoms and Monsters Task Force, in which I'm a part of, being that I live in the Chicago area here. And it was compiled just to have a little bit more in-the-field research and a little bit closer relationship to those that may have had an experience regarding whatever this flying humanoid is that has been seen in a flap in the city of Chicago. And being part of that, it seems as though some politics gets involved when this type of thing happens, and it does happen from time to time, being that it's this type of a community where a couple of defectors might run off and take that information and call it their own and then try to publicize it themselves. At the Caravan Library of Lore, we stay out of politics, uh, whether it be governmental or internal politics. It's just something that we try to stay away from. However, there's a couple of points that uh, I want to bring up with Lon also um, about what has been going on. But I want you to stick around and listen to what's been going on in Lancaster County in Pennsylvania. We called it the farm. Um, very reminiscent of the Skinwalker Ranch in Utah. If that whole subject of Skinwalker fascinated you, stick around and listen to what's been going on at the farm from Lon Strickler as well. So thanks, Lon, for joining us, and thank you all for joining us. Uh, I know that, like I just said, we don't do much in politics on this show. I stay away from it. As I just I stay away from it. Um, because everybody's entitled to their own opinion. However, speaking of politics, it does seem that uh, the task force has had its share of politics as of late. Um, 
especially for some that have taken information and run with it and then not really share the credit with where that information is coming from. Yeah, Um, I was, uh, you know, I think Tobias is more upset than anybody because, um, I mean, he's known her and he works with her. Uh-huh. And that kind of threw him for a loop. Tobias or Manuel? No, Tobias. Yeah. Well, I yeah, know he was upset, and I know that Manuel put up a post, too, and, uh, yeah. you know, rightfully so. You know, if you don't say something, then it's just you're just going to keep getting taken advantage of if you don't say anything. So, you know, well, I, you know, I, I was him. checking her out for a while, and... Uh, you know, when I, I, I did hear the show, then she was scheduled for another show, uh, Midnight in the Desert with Heather Wade. And right. the night before the show, I got a hold of Heather and told her what was going on. Now, I don't okay. know if she did, I don't know if Allison did the show or not, but I haven't heard any recordings about it. So I don't, I, ha- I don't know either, um, although I have not looked into it to see if she did actually uh, record. Yeah. But good for you for being able to get in touch with Heather. Um, I, I know that you've been in this uh, circus for a lot longer than I have. And, you know, people yeah. like myself and, you know, just take it for what it's worth. Uh, people like myself and people like Jennifer, uh, we do look up to you because you have been around the block a few times so that we can get a little bit more reliable information. And so thankfully you did have that ability to get in touch with Heather. I do like that show, Midnight in the Desert. And of course, you know, Art Bell, you know, being the one to start this whole really paranormal audio broadcast ball to roll how many years ago, you know, it's just a, <laughs> I don't know what the right word is to use, but yeah. it is a stay in this community. And I think it's all of our responsibility to keep other radio broadcasts in this subject matter and podcasts that are dealing in the subject matter and try to keep each other in line so that, yeah. you know, one doesn't drift off and really start, you know, taking a lot of information and, you know, plagiarizing it. And I don't think that that's fair, but. So, you know, good for you for being able to contact Well, her. you know, I, I just wasn't going to put up with it because her and I had an issue early. Mm-hmm. When she started t- getting all her friends, even her brother and some other people, into the task force, just adding them on. And right. I, I, I added her because, I, you know, she was doing, you know, the videos. And I was giving her the benefit of the doubt, but I told her, I said, you know. Right. You know, I'm doing this because you have taken the effort to do the videos, and I will link them to the map, but I'm putting you in the task force so you can see what's going on, and, you know. But she took advantage of it, and she started adding people, and then I removed them, and I told her, I said, look, this isn't going to work. I said, you know, I... um. You know, but I, you know, she had added Tobias too as well, but I knew Tobias and, you know, we had talked before, so that ain't problem with that. But anyway, right. I, I told her, so I said, look, you know, you're, you're not an investigator in this task force. All you're doing is you are making the videos and I appreciate that and you're promoting it, but, you know, but then 
she started, you know, when she did some interviews on some radio shows, mostly small shows, but she got on there with Jim Heater and with Sam Maranto. And mm-hmm. she started agreeing with Sam that this was all a crock. You know, the whole thing was a crock. Right. Yeah. That's when I had to step in. Yeah. So. Well, you know, I I just will take the whole train and go right back to the very front end of the train. All of this started from witness reports. Right. So to say that that's a bunch of crock is really you're not insulting Lon Strickler or myself or anybody else that is trying to research this. What you're actually doing is you're attacking those that came forward and have the courage to come forward and say something about something that they saw. Mm-hmm. Now, none of them are putting their hand on whatever religious artifact they are to swear that this is what they saw. They're just coming forth of their own free will. And to attack somebody like that inadvertently is what she's doing. Right. And it's what they're doing by saying, well, I think this is just a crock. You and I aren't doing this to create any kind of publicity whatsoever. This came across your desk right. just like it came across my desk. And, I'm, and I look at it and I go, wow, this is really interesting. Let's talk about it. And from there, you're going to be accused of, you know, discussing things that aren't true. We don't know. And I am not I am not going to be the person, and I don't think you are the person either, or other trusted sources, especially in the task force, that are going to come forth and say, no, this person's full of it. Right. Because we weren't there. Now, if you were there with that person and they saw something and you didn't, well, then you have more of a reason to, you know, say, hey, maybe you're, you know, or you misidentified or, you know, you could be a little bit more of a critic that way. But without being there and, you know, just like this, one of this uh, last incident that took place where this creature landed on the hood of the car and, you know, Emmanuel said, yeah, there were scratches on the hood of the car. Something happened something happened and i found it rather fascinating to the fact that you know the story seemed logical it seemed like it could definitely have happened but again i wasn't there but you know when it comes across my desk and i see it i'm like well this is really interesting let's talk about it so uh, have you had any uh any other reports just within the last day or two no, no, we haven't got out of Chicago, nothing. I mean, that was the last one. And, uh, you know, other than the, that one or the woman said this thing's been following her all these years. But, uh-huh. you know, other than that, we haven't gotten anything. I think we're probably done for this season. I mean, you know, I, I think this may be a seasonal thing. Uh, well, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it picks back up in the spring. Uh-huh. I really wouldn't. Well, you know, you know, maybe, maybe we'll I get think, a jump on it this time, you know. Well, that would be really kind of unique. Um, you know, and keep in mind, too, to our listeners, you know, when you say we might be done with it for this year, it's not like it's on a scheduled season, but a lot of people spend a lot more time indoors because it's colder out. Right. And they're not out and about on the river walk as much to Absolutely. observe. It doesn't mean that the activity has declined at all it just means a lot more people are spending time indoors or in their vehicles where it's warmer 
and you're not looking up into the skies as much or, or being in those locations where some of these sightings have taken place. So we kind of kind of keep that into perspective as well. Um, I have certainly done my recent amount of uh, travels through that area uh, several times and have pulled over and I just observe uh, to see if I saw anything unusual. And, of course, you know, it, you would have been the first one I would have, you know, given the information to had I come across anything interesting. But I saw that you did put up a post about um, the flashes of light in the skies within the last week and a half, two weeks. Mm -hmm. And I did a little bit of research. Uh, I, I didn't find anybody that was tangible to reach out to as a witness to what it was that they saw. But going back through a little bit of research, you know, we had the uh, Lenoids meteor shower um, in this area during that week. Now, maybe a larger meteor created a flash. You know, who knows? I mean, let's throw everything on the table as to what the possibilities are. But to find um, so much association between this flying humanoid entity and flashes of light or orbs or some other aerial phenomena that seems to kind of coincide, not all the time, but it seems to coincide. Um, even if the witness saw the humanoid figure, they may have missed, you know, an orb or something earlier. So, again, let's just put it all into that sphere of possibility. But now I haven't gotten any returns as of late as to what, those flashes are and if there was anything connected to it but i did find that rather interesting too well you know we did have the one sighting in uh the montrose beach sighting and uh -huh. that, that was accompanied by a green orb mm -hmm. which being green it very well could have been a meteor a meteorite going across the sky or right or whatever but um you know the, the, these these flashes of light and and then the orange orbs down in south in the southern part of the city or south of the city. I I, I do find that a little interesting because um, you know of course there were several that happened when this we started working on this uh, this case, and then over the past week or so there have been several more sightings in that area and in northern Indiana. So I don't know if there's a connection or not. You know, Chicago's got a, a long history of UFO activity and uh, the mm, lake yes. itself as well. So, you know, it may right. be coincidental, but, you know, I'm looking mm. at everything, you know. Oh, I'm looking at everything, too. And yeah. <laughs> here's the funny thing, which you know this as well as I do. Uh, we've looked into this for how many years, and yet our book of answers yeah. is still – empty <laughs> we just yeah. we don't have those answers yet even on you know the multiple sightings where you you have you know a thousand people or even a hundred people that all saw the same thing and you're still coming up with zero answers you know look at the um you know, the six seven years ago with the ufo that was hovering over the control tower at o'hare mm. you know there were a lot of witnesses to that and yet it just kind of got shut down and said, no, nah, it was a cloud formation or it was a, a weather anomaly. I didn't see it, but, um, yeah, I found that yeah, rather interesting I, because I, I've I, seen. 
I, I got a feeling yeah. there was something more to that than, you know, at the end the FAA and the airport and them are going to even admit to it. Um, to be a yeah, threat or something like going through a cloud, I don't really right. buy into that. Yeah, so, no, I um, agree with you. I think that there was something to it. And, you know, the day that that happened and to um, listen to the reports on television media, they just made a mockery out of it. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, the, the reporters couldn't even get through the report without, you know, just kind of making jokes and smiles. And I still see that to this day, even with um, some of the Bigfoot sightings that have come to the forefront. And then, you know, it, it makes its way across a television screen. And it's, if they just go ahead and make a complete and total mockery out of it. And it's to be expected. You know, I think that's probably part of the agenda is to, you know, <laughs> keep downplaying this. Uh, you know, you you people are losing your mind. This really doesn't exist. I don't think that there's a playbook in the media room. But when you're subject to downplaying a subject like that for so long, you just kind of fall right into that position when you're trying to report the story that eh, this, you know, whatever, it's a fairy tale. Um, not necessarily because. You know, they're not exposed to the witnesses like you and myself are and to see the reaction. Okay, yes, definitely something happened here. And look at this. Here's some photographic evidence. So, unfortunately, but yes, I tend to agree with you. I think um, the FAA probably got involved to shut it down to say that it was a weather event. But I have seen my share of UFOs in this area. And it's only because I do spend more time looking up than I do looking down. And some of it I can explain after a moment or two going, oh, wait, that's just sun reflecting off an airplane that's banking into O'Hare. And okay, I'm good with that, but there's been some things that I have seen that were clearly under intelligent control that are just not conventional flying aircraft. And, you know, fortunately, this last event that I did experience, I experienced it with one other person, and the two of us saw it, and the one got so upset by it that he dialed 911. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, six of these things shot due east, and four of them shot straight up in the air. But they were in the area for probably all of three minutes before they parted away. And for the speeds that these things moved at, there is no way that this was... In in the area in which I live in, this is not a military-controlled area whatsoever. There's nothing really sensitive. The only thing that's close by is the uh, uh, Fermi Lab, which is the Department of Energy, and they have the uh, collider. But, you know, for military installation, it's not. It is a protected area, but I, I just don't draw the correlation between the two whatsoever, yeah. but... You yeah, know, we Of course, that collider's been shut down now for um, for several years, supposedly. You know, so well. Uh, yeah, their last experiment there, the it's not shut down. I mean, it's still a very active lab. Yeah, you know, I drive there three, four no. times a week. Um, right, but they just brought in. Um, oh, geez, four years, five years ago, they just brought in a, and it was a huge process because they brought it in off a barge on the Mississippi River, and then they had it trucked over, and they could only truck this thing at 
less than 20 miles an hour, but it was a gigantic magnet, uh-huh. and it was part of the accelerator program. But putting that entire project together is, you know, it's years in the process to do that. So it will still be an active collider, but it wasn't that long ago that they did experiment on, you know, what they called the God Particle Project, which right. was to try to recreate the Big Bang. And they said that they were successful, but that's about all the information that was subject to the public. But it is still a very active uh laboratory and who knows what other experiments goes on just because they're not you know colliding atoms doesn't mean that they're not into you know a handful of other things and i don't want to get into you know stranger things either with that (laughs) department of energy but you know it opens up your mind to say yeah you know they're kind of into some strange stuff you know it was it was right outside the south gates of fermi lab where i had an experience by seeing two school buses pass me and both drivers were identical to each other, and I laughed. You know, and I shared this with Shannon LeGrow on Into the Fray Radio. And the first driver I saw drive by, and I was, you know, driving in the opposite direction. I just happened to glance, and elderly gentleman, and he had, you know, those big senior citizen wraparound sunglasses and a, and a ball cap and a blue coat and a gray beard but his long gray beard you know came down to mid chest you know and it was just kind of an unusual looking character to be driving a bus and right behind him was a car and another bus and as the second bus passed i glanced over and it's the same individual driving that bus and i'm and the first thought i said to myself was well that's weird twin brothers driving buses for but as i looked in the rearview mirror there was only one bus and it freaked me out, and I pulled over, and I stuck my head out the window. There was only one bus, even though I visibly saw two. <laughs> and it was uh, it was the craziest thing, and it was right there at the Southern Gate. And I never put the two and two together until Shannon LeGrow and myself talked about it, and she put it on her show. She's like, well, I'm wondering if, you know, the lab had some sort of experiment going on. I, I have no idea. It was. It shook me though. It it really did. It kind of shook me there for a couple of days afterwards. I shared with only a couple other people about what I experienced because I knew I wouldn't be mocked for it. But you know, to this day, I'm still profound, and to this day, I still drive through that area and I watch really closely as to what's going on in my surroundings to see if I see anything which i kind of doubt but yeah when he dialed 911 on that ufo experience um it was a female officer and she came out and you know she saw us standing out by the road and she's like are you the two that called and i'm like well he called (laughs) i didn't um but yeah he was he was clearly shook because we both saw the same thing and uh, she's like you know son of a gun this is something that she's been looking to witness herself you know, for all these years, but, you know, she took a brief report and thanked us for at least sharing it with her. So, yes, you are correct. Chicago does have its handful of UFO sightings, and whether that has any link to this fine humanoid, I I don't know. I can't see that it wouldn't. It would seem logical to me. Well, Maybe there's that's just a lot of, uh, you know, there's just a lot going on around there, and, um, you know, we don't have the answers now. We got a few working theories. It's all it's mm-hmm. all going to be detailed in the book, you know. So, I'm, you know, 
I, I try to explain as much as I can, uh, of what the group was thinking and maybe some of the theories we were putting out there, some of the other anecdotal evidence we were getting as far as with the sightings and, uh, trying to put two and two together. But unfortunately, we just really haven't got concrete answers. And the way this thing is kind of waning off now, which I believe is probably the weather, most likely, because like you said, less people are out. Mm-hmm. And this thing may be sensitive to the weather for whatever reason, but I, I believe when spring comes, maybe not next year, but maybe a year or two or so, what after, this thing's going to pick up again. And, I, you know, I think there's something deliberate involved with this. Um. It, it just seems like that, you know. It seems that we've got we've got more than one entity that has been appearing, though they're very close in in nature. But it, there are some differences. Uh, it's not a Mothman. It's you know, it may be something mm-hmm. related. It may be something entirely different. Uh, right. I have always thought that the Mothman, in fact, was. Uh, an extra dimensional type being, a summoned being of some type. Uh, right. If that's what's going on here, then fine. But I, I, you know, I really can't pinpoint what's going on. But, you know, I, I'm hopeful the book is going to help explain what we were thinking, you know, how we were approaching this and what people thought about it and what may happen in the future. Right. Um, do you have a tentative release date for the book? Well, we're, we're, we're going to try to get it out before the, for Christmas, but I, I can't be positive about that. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we're working on it. I mean, there's a few things we've got to do with it. It's going to the editing has got to be done right so that it, you know, it kind of follows a timeline, though I think I've done as best I can personally as far as doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's gonna, it's, it's gonna be structured a little bit differently than most books. Um, you know, it's not gonna be like a novel or anything. This is gonna be kind of put out there as things happen and as, uh, you know, with other examples of similar type of sightings or, at other places or other type of sightings within the Chicago area. So there's right. going to be a lot in there. I mean, you know, people are going to be able to draw some comparisons. And uh for the most part, it's all original stuff. I mean, I do go into some historical aspects to the flying humanoid phenomena, uh, maybe a few religious uh mm-hmm. Theories behind it, but though I don't go into that that much, but it's going to be, you know, I'm trying to make it as tangible as possible. Right. And, uh, well, hopefully um, open-minded people will, will take a lot from it. Well, I'm sure that they will. And especially those that are buying the book, um, you know, monsters among us by Linda Gottfried is doing her really well. And mm-hmm. that's all that is. It's, it's a collaboration and I'm sure you're familiar with the book being that we're all friends. 
Yeah, um, it is. It, it's a wonderful collaboration of stories and experiences that people have had. It's not written in a novel. It's right. just, here's what happened. And this is the information that was given. You can make of it whatever you want to make of it. But, um, you know, like I said to you earlier, you know, the book itself, just looking at the cover is going to be able to jump off the shelf and catch people's eyes to say, well, this looks really interesting. And well, let's hope so. I mean, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm not really writing it to, for uh, anything else other than it being a guide to what has been going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not going to be laid out like my other books because my other books were, like you said, a conglomeration of sightings, you know, and I, I did them year by year. So, you know, it was kind of right. written up as things that I had gotten that year. Well, this is going to be a little bit different. Of course, it's going to have all the cases and all the sightings and encounters with this phenomena, but there's going to be a few other things in there that are original uh, that have been sent to me and that tie into a lot of what has been going on and what kind of theories we have been picking up along the way. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's going to be interesting. I, I think people are going to enjoy it. Well, I'm I'm uh, biting the bit, waiting to get my copy. So <laughs> <laughs> I am. I truly am. I love to read. So yeah, it'll be interesting thing. You know, Lon, I I wanted to kind of pull off just a little bit off of this. Um, being that you're a co-host at Arcane Radio, I believe it may have been three or four shows in the past um, that I listened to. And you and Butch, uh, where were you two were talking about the farm out by you and that Butch had gone out to the farm. Mm-hmm. Could you kind of give us what that whole story is and what's going on at this farm and some of the experiences that have gone on there? Because I would like some of our listeners to be able to tie into that and then they can follow up by going over to Arcane Radio and listening to it themselves. But yeah, what's going on with the farm? Well, this was a report that Stan Gordon had received uh, from northern Lancaster County, which is near, actually, it's very near Butch. It's about, uh, it's about an hour and a half from me. Mm-hmm. And Stan sent it, you know, Stan called me and let me know about it. Told him that, you know, he told the witness that he'd give it to us so we could go out and check it out. So, anyway, this, this gentleman w- was staying at a uh an old farmhouse in uh an area not far from Lebanon, Pennsylvania, if people know where that's at, but it's in north it's in the northern part of Lancaster County in the Susquehanna Valley, Pennsylvania. Well anyway, this is um what he had been reporting was a um a group of UFO sightings that he had been see- had seen coming from a um, group of mountains to the north and flying over to some heights uh, south of him. So it was going over the farm itself. And this farm sits in a fairly good-sized valley. And there, there are other farms in the valley and some residents, residential areas. So he, he was concerned about that. And as well, at the same time, Butch was taking a lot of reports around his area, a lot of different UFO activity. 
there's been a, a lot of sightings of uh, triangle-shaped uh, craft, uh, a lot of orbs being seen. We had taken uh, some photographs or had some photographs of these um, the donut-shaped type craft that were fairly high up, but w- when you when you got some definition to it, you could see it had like it was shaped like a halo, basically. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot of different stuff people were seeing. Well, anyway, which went over to this location. And he met with the witness, and they were out there in the back part of the, the the house in the farm where they were actually building a 300-foot-long chicken house. It's uh, it's going to be part of a new business that's being started where they raise chicks. And uh, when they started grading the land, all this stuff started happening. So this gentleman had talked to me. I talked I talked to him first before Butch went out. And he told me that they, he has been witnessing these beings, what he thought were beings that were uh that had that type of glassine look to them like, you know, the predator look where it's mm-hmm. it's uh it's cloaked. <clears throat> and he's been right. seeing these things and he, you know, so I told Butch about it. I said, hey, you know, you might might want to go out there with this guy and, and check this out with him. Well, Butch went out there, and uh, he witnessed it himself. He saw two of these uh, these so-called beings or two of these anomalies. One was on top of the chicken house, and there was another one by a doorway. So, um, you know, he had gone out there several times, so eventually... In, uh, I guess it was maybe mid-February, my son and I drove up there and, uh, you know, we were talking to, well, by that time the witness had moved out. He was gone. Uh, the guy who lived in the house, who owned the, the property, he was still there. And, uh, you know, we talked to him about it. He was really, I don't really think he was that interested in what's been going on though. He was a nice enough guy to let Butch keep coming on the property and investigating it. So anyway, uh, we talked to him for a while. So we went out there. I mean, it was cold, too. It was cold that night, probably at least 20 degrees, if not less. And uh, we were out there freezing. (laughs) We were out there. And uh, we walked around the back. And, you know, Butch told me, he said, that's, you know, showed the chicken house, said what had been going on. So. He had a he had a flare device and he was you know he was keeping it on that area and he you know as he had done before these two anomalies kept showing up in the same place but it was weird because their temperature the temperature of these two anomalies was like in the mid 20s Fahrenheit but the surrounding area was cold but not as cold as these two anomalies, which was weird. I mean, uh, you know, he, he took a temperature reading of the ground, which was probably, I think I remember between 40 and 50 degrees. He, I was walked in front of him towards the chicken house. Uh, he was getting about 65 off of me. And anyway, to my left, there was a huge uh, pile of dirt from when they did the grading. I mean, this thing was this 15 foot high. It's huge. 
And uh, right. to the right of us is a, an old farm pond. Uh, the area itself has got a lot of springs and such, so this was a settling pond. So um, while I was standing there, I, I started picking up sounds on my right side, and they sounded just like drumming sounds and chanting. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I went back, my my son and Butch were back were behind me, and I told them about it. I said, I don't know what, the, what that was, but that was very unusual. I said, something's going on here as far as I'm not saying it's absolutely indigenous or Native American or anything like that, but we need to do some research. So we started doing research in the area, and it's been an area that's been known for uh, Native activity, Native people's activity. Well, of course, Pennsylvania has had, you know, Mm -hmm. they've had several groups of Native uh, people all through the state many, many years, you know, and... uh, of course, but I, I just had this feeling this thing was more ancient than that. It was really strange, but I just had this feeling. So what I did, I have a friend uh, by the name of Delise. She, she lives in Sydney, Australia. Her and I have uh, worked together on cases involving where we use remote viewing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I asked her if uh, her and her group could possibly do an rv of this uh of this location for me so i gave her the i gave her the coordinates uh as far as psychic coordinates it's a series of numbers uh that i give it's basically given to her so they make a pickup on the location though i didn't give them the location any of the background or anything that's going on i wanted to see what she pick up and people that are, are that are familiar from remote viewing or those who are maybe not. Um, it's, you know, it, it's take, it's a subconscious, um, f- uh, fact finding endeavor basically, but it mm-hmm. does involve some psychic, um, you know, psychic beat, uh, psychic abilities. And it does later go into a psychic phase, what I call a psychic phase. And, uh, if you're intuitive or you're psychic and you're involved as far as, you know, working the RV and this group, I think had about five people in it. Of course, everybody does the actual RV at the same time and they're in different parts of the, of Australia. I think some of these people were worldwide, but you know, most of the time when I do an RV, it's with people at very long range locations. And eventually we take all the information put together and discern what was what was going on, kind of like a debriefing, and you come up mm-hmm. with a report of your findings. Well, that's what happened here. So when Delise gave us the uh, report, it turns out that it definitely indigenous, uh, most likely ancient. Um, I had a sense that this... And I'm not saying it was a burial ground, but I think it was an area because I had done personal RV on the location and she confirmed it, that it was some type of uh, possibly ceremonial or 
from the information that we discern from some of the research, it could have been a cremation site for warriors. Mm-hmm. Now, the Susquehannock Indians, though there's not a whole lot of information available about them, but they were known to uh, cremate the remains of certain warriors or leaders. And, uh, and I think it probably goes back further than that. But um, that's where we are. And basically, we feel that these these two entities that are at the location are basically sentries or guardians of some type. Um, but they remain. They have moved around a bit, but they still remain there. The pile mm-hmm. of dirt, I believe, possibly contains some of the remains. Because Butch said mm-hmm. he saw one of the anomalies on the dirt pile recently. He still goes out there. So um, as far as the UFO activity, there's something connected there that she got a sense, and her and some of her team got a sense that something was looking down on this location. Now, another aspect to this case is I was supposed to go, my son and I were supposed to go over there the Saturday before the Sunday that we went. And for whatever reason, I was received a message to not go there. Now, I don't know. I mean, you know, I am a somewhat, I am intuitive. I mean, I've been, in, and I've known I've been intuitive since I've been eight years old. Mm-hmm. And I do pick up a few things, but I, you know, I told, we were first going over there Saturday. I called Butch. I said, I, you know, the night before, I said, look, I'm not coming over there. I'm being told not to come over there. Well, that Saturday, a major uh, storm hit, and I, I mean, there were like there were tor- it was tornado activity in the area, and it hit this valley where this farm was. But the strange thing about it was there was a lot of damage around the farm, in other farms and other residents, like trees were pulled up. Uh, silos were dumped there. Some trucks were flipped over, but this farm sustained no damage. And in fact, there was a pile of leaves behind this house that was, has been there for ever since the fall before. And it was, it didn't even move at all. It just like this. This whole area was protected from this storm and it went around it on both sides, which was really strange. A protective, a protective dome. Something like that. You know, it's, it's, right. uh, you know, the way out it was told to me by Delise is that there was some type of protection from above, almost like there was an opening from above that was watching down on this location. Hmm. So. A couple of weeks after that, maybe a month or so after that, the guy lives at the house. He, he's got dogs, so he had the dogs out, and they were walking around the pond. And when he was coming back, he started hearing this drumming and chanting himself. Wow. You know, you know, he told Butch about it, and he, Butch told him, because Butch hadn't told him when I heard. He said, well, you know, Lon was standing out there, and the, the pond was to his right, and from his right side, he was hearing this drumming and, and this chanting. So there's something going on there. Now, Butch has been in and out of there a couple of times. And, in fact, there's another location not far from there 
where there's some similar activity going on. We haven't really checked that out yet. We're just waiting for some, you know, the ability to get in there. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, I don't, I don't know what is going on there, but there's definitely some type, something that's spiritual, but it's connected to some of the activity that's being seen above it. Right. And, um, you know, there's, you know, it's just has, hard to explain. Has there been, uh, any, uh, any native culture left in that area, you know, ancestors or anything of, uh, you know, First Nations people that might still be in the area that have extended any kind of warning that, you know, now we stay out of that area or. Yeah, I, I, we've looked into that and there's nothing. Okay. Uh, okay. the last native people who lived in that area were moved out maybe in the early 1700s. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Sesqu- you know, it's an area that has had a lot of different tribes inhabit it. Uh, the Susquehannock right. were originally, well, the, the Susquehannock were originally there, then the Lenni Lenape or the Delaware Indians were there. Then, uh, the Shawnee. And then the Nanakook, and uh, nothing's there now. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, there's the only thing there is whatever energy has been left there. Right. I only ask that question, you know, because, and I'm sure I'm not the first one to draw a correlation of similarities between that activity and what happened at Skinwalker. Mm-hmm. Um, although at Skinwalker, you know, the, the tribal lore is you know you we don't even you stay out of that area mm-hmm. um it doesn't offer any information as to what it is but they know you stay out of that area but i find it rather interesting that the same effect happened when you start <laughs> disturbing the earth this activity starts to come up and abound and you know there were a lot of witness sightings to things that were just unexplainable and I know that there's been other locations throughout, you know, the continental U.S., plus worldwide, but at least in the continental U.S., where it seems like the same type of activity. You disturb the ground, and you just, you're kind of like antagonizing whatever it is that's keeping an eye over that ground. So you have to find out what the history is as to what actually transpired at that ground, however many thousands of years ago, who knows? But well, you know, we find pretty... a lot of things like this out in the um, the Four Corners area and into New Mexico, and uh, you know, mm-hmm. any any areas that were indigenous and you know still have reservations for the uh, the Navajo and the Apache, uh, right. Hopi, and of course north northern there in Utah we got the Utes. So um, mm-hmm. you know, there's a, you know the Pueblo peoples basically. The Anasazi, you know, it's, it's a, it's a lot of, um, there are a lot of locations, uh, that are well known to the people through their history, through their lore that, you know, you don't mess with. And there's a lot of strange stuff. People, you know, just like Chaka Canyon. I mean, you know, you hear about people that go out there and just experience all kinds of weird stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. not only the UFO activity, but spirit activity, see unknown type of beings, uh, a lot of crazy stuff. 
Right. Um, you know, when when you talk to the when you talk to the people, I've been familiar with many uh, my investigations in that area with uh, J.C. Johnson and reporting his uh, investigations and others. Um, in the, in the connection they had with the Navajo community, um, it, it's not easy to get information from the uh, from the tribe or the pe- especially the older members of the tribe. But that, mm-hmm. you know, th- there there are some hints of things you do get. Uh, some of the uh, some of the anomalies they do describe. Uh, yeah, of course, it's all mixed in with their their lore and their history, and of course, you know that that falls into the occult as well with the witches and the skinwalkers, and it's um, you know it's all tied in, and it seems like all these tribes in that area, well, I mean, you know, there's a four state area, you know, they they all seem to be very similar in scope to what has been going on or what people describe. And, uh, yeah, with the Skinwalker Ranch, that's an area that you do not even go near. They, right. uh, they, it's been known for centuries that that is not an area to pass through. And mm-hmm. the fact that some of the anomalies and some of the activity that has been seen there, though it's been much less l- over recent years, uh, it, it's just unexplained. But doesn't that make sense? It, oh, it makes yeah. perfect sense to me that the activity is kind of dropped because those that pulled out of there. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, and okay, once you're out of there, I think things just kind of tend to settle down a little bit until there's a little bit more raping of the land or whatever, and it might ramp up again. And if you're messing with something that you don't know what you're messing with, I I would strongly suggest you don't do that. You have no idea what you're messing with. So, well, stay you out know, of that I, I heard a lot of stories about a lot of different places in New Mexico and that area where people have gone into it and things just start happening. And uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, there, there just seem to be certain areas, and of course that includes Skinwalker, and uh, where you know people that go into these areas not respecting the energy around them and they're mm-hmm. going to see things and experience things that they just don't understand. So, right. yeah, I think that's a lot well, to it. Um, you know, along the same vein with that, having, you know, a conversation with uh, Linda Godfrey and of course she's not too far from me. She's, um, well, okay. She's not that far from me, but in the area in which she talks about and where she lives, um, there was a uh, an Air Force base that was going to be put in years ago. And now there's been anomalies seen in and around that area. And it, this includes Bray Road, but also, you know, 12 miles east of there. There's been a lot of witness uh, anomalies, cryptid beans, you know, the upright canid, Bigfoot sightings. And when this area was being... Um, manipulated to become an Air Force base, they had done a lot of underground tunneling, obviously, because a lot of the base was going to be underground. And when they were going to start pouring for the runways, the whole project got shut down. 
They mm-hmm. it completely got shut down. They plugged up all the tunnels, and it was just speculated through you know one person saying something to somebody else, and kind of the word gets out is that no, the what's in the underground is not to be out. Mm-hmm. Uh, just close the whole project up altogether. And I think these locations exist everywhere, which just until you start destroying the land around it is when you really find out what you're messing with. And so, and you know, it's right in my backyard too. I've been up there several times, but you know, I've never tried to access anything because Linda was actually the one to let me know what the history was behind that. And Mm -hmm. I'm kind of glad she told me that after I was there, (laughs) I may not have gone at all. And I run into, you know, an upright dog man or walking canine or, Whatever, I, that's no. That yeah, well, stay there. <laughs> we run into the same thing around here. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, Pennsylvania itself has had a long history of weird activity, and um, the government and military have used a lot of different locations, especially during the World War Two. I mean, a lot of different locations for industry and uh, for secret research and such. And it seems that. These areas to this day still still seem to have the residual from being mm-hmm. disturbed or things going on there. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, especially with the more recent activity in central Pennsylvania with this upright canine activity, right. uh, for, you know, it's it's not as much as it was, not near what it was going on. For about a year and a half, though, we were getting a lot of reports in the area of what we designate as a Lycan Loop, which is, extends uh, from Clearfield County, the area north of Clearfield County, down southeast into uh, southern York County, southern Lancaster County. And I mean it's a wide area, but it seems that the the majority of these reports and and other reports from the past kind of fall in that area. In fact, you know, so it's um, you know, why it happened and you know the reason behind it. You know, we're not quite sure, but um, it was quite interesting to be getting these reports. In that group, like, I, maybe not unlike what's going on in Chicago. I mean, you know, it, it seems that, you know, it, it was unusual to get a group of reports like that in Pennsylvania with these upright canines. And, and then maybe a year and a half later, we're getting a group of settings in Chicago. I mean, what's next? I mean, right, right. Is, is this right. going to be a trend to where, uh, you know, a certain area becomes hot? for whatever reason, and uh, all this unexplained activity starts picking up. I mean, that's something, Mm -hmm. and that's something I'm really aware of and others are aware of, and, you know, know, why we're keeping our ear to the rail and trying to (laughs) get an idea. No, it's very true. You know, with, uh, you know, like you said, with the recent sightings in Chicago, and, of course, you know, the longer we dwell on it, we come up with some, you know, good ideas of what the possibility could be. And there has been a lot of uh, 
and this kind of ties back into the farm and the skinwalker thing, but there has been a lot of tearing up of open land along the lakefront, still within the city of Chicago, but it was designated as park district property. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the Lucas Museum was supposed to go in there, and, of course, Chicago lost the bid for that, but, you know, the big equipment has still gone into that area because the park district wants to develop that area. And then all of a sudden, now we get a lot of this flying humanoid activity. Could that all be tied into, again, you disturb the land and you're kind of releasing some kind of entity or energy or who knows what, you know. But, again, it's just another rabbit hole that we could go down to try to explore it. But are we going to come out with an answer? Who knows until you actually go down that rabbit hole. But, you know, I find it interesting kind of similar to what I think I sent to you, you know, it's like you open your door in the summertime and a fly comes in. Well, it only came in because you let it in mm-hmm. unbeknownst to you, you let it in. And then, you know, whether it's in a panic mode to get out or get back to its familiarity, or it's just angry, who knows? I'm not a fly, nor do I want to be a fly, but it's certainly not the most pleasant of creatures to have come into your house. Well, there's a lot worse, I suppose. <laughs> Don't let well, it you know, Another thing as well is that I believe may actually be tied into this, that, you know, I it, the activity or, of similar type beings just hasn't been concentrated in Chicago. I mean, I right. have gotten I have gotten a couple reports from um, Pasco County, Florida, of a similar being that has been killing deer. And uh, it's been seen. I mean, along this highway, this this mm-hmm. being kills these deer and stacks them up, and uh, like guarding over it while people are going by. Now this happens late at night, and they've seen this thing. Uh, I've gotten two reports now, and I've got people looking at it. I got a, a similar report down in uh, near Austin, Texas. Of another being that uh, the red eyes and whole Shamil, I mean, just like what's going up in Chicago, up mm-hmm. in Milwaukee, there have been some sightings of a uh, similar being, though I don't have the detail because it was reported to another researcher, but he mentioned it to me. So, I mean, this isn't something that is just going on in Chicago. I mean, this is going on all no, around no, no. to a much right. lesser degree, right. but... People right. are noticing it and then they're reporting it. And, um, mm. you know, we've been getting a, I've been getting a lot of strange stories. I mean, the pterodactyl, pterosaur activity, mm-hmm. uh, something similar to what you described that gentleman you had on your show talking mm-hmm. about. Uh, right. you know, that's been going on for a while around Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, and there, of course, there's other areas where it's been going on as well. Right. No, I. Again, that's why we do this line. We're, we're just looking oh, for yeah. an answer, and you know, even if we get just a crumb of an answer, that's you know, that's an accomplishment, and that's all that we're doing behind the microphone here and putting the word out there. But it's uh, it's fascinating. I love this whole subject thing. Whether I find the answer or not, I'm just. It's a part of me, and I know it's a part of you. It's you know, been a part of you for many, many years, and um, I'm glad that we're smart enough to know that there's something going on and it's worth looking into. Uh, 
Mothman Dynasty, Chicago's Winged Humanoids. Uh, we'll be posting that on the Caravan of Lore when that book gets released. And, of course, I'm sure you will, too, Lon. <laughs> See, the book's available. Yes. Buy your copy now. Everybody's going to yeah. know about it, believe me. I'm going to I'm gonna have Oh, I'm sure of it. Uh, yeah, well, we'll certainly let everybody know about it. Um, Jennifer Ann was unavailable to join us this evening. Uh, she's in the process of uh, moving from one location to another temporarily while they put her residence under construction. So she was unavailable to join us. But I know that she uh, gives her best to you. Uh, she's a fan also, just like myself, of did. Phantoms and Monsters and Arcane Radio. And best wishes to Sean and Butch, because I think the three of you guys do a fantastic job, even though with the bumpy roads, because we've had our bumpy roads, too, by, you know, putting the show together. But once the show does get put together, um, it's a very enjoyable listen. And, of course, we'll just keep promoting that as well. Well, um, we're good. we may be having some changes coming down the road, too, exciting changes. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's, there's going to be something going on, is going on. It's in the, it's in the ether, but we're trying to expand the show a bit. Well, just keep that ball rolling. And, uh, of course, keep us posted and we'll keep everybody else posted too. But I greatly appreciate it. Thanks, Lon. I greatly appreciate you, uh, joining us on the caravan tonight because some of this, I, this whole farm thing that's, crazy it really is crazy and here it is right in your own backyard so and uh you know the mothman thing or owl man or flying humanoid whatever it is i had a dream the other night i think it was two nights ago one of those realistic dreams mm-hmm. where yeah re- and i was looking out a window of a building i was in downtown chicago and i'm looking in the river and i see something swimming in the river and it crawls out and it pulling itself up along the building by the sidewalk and it turns around and looks at me it's this flying humanoid thing it was the craziest thing and i uh, that was it i immediately woke up and i'm sweating and it was so realistic i'm like okay i need to maybe back off of this yeah you've been reading too much of my now now it's coming after me in my dream so you got to be careful but again thanks lon i greatly appreciate it no problem anytime You take care, Doc. We will talk soon. Thanks, Lon. Bye. Mm -hmm. Bye Bye-bye.